Hello, I'm Joe Mellis, and welcome to episode 65 of Pitodri PS, the predominantly Dons-based podcast featuring not just the Dons' first team, but a look across the age groups and genders at the club. And we focus on the respective progress of Cove and Peter Head too, as well as the Northeast local representatives in the Highland League and Juniors. And not just football, but any sport making headlines in the Northeast of Scotland, or featuring someone from the Northeast of Scotland. Joining me for this journey, as always, Dave McDermott and Andrew Shiny. So here we are recording this episode on the morning of Tuesday, January 17th, 2023. And in due course, we'll preview our next couple of games against Darvel away in Scottish Cup action on Monday 23rd, as well as Hearts away in the league tomorrow night. And that all comes after we review the Viaplay Cup semi-final against Rangers. That's where we begin the show today. You'll know by now that one finished 2-1 to Rangers. Your thoughts on the game, Andrew? I'm afraid it's another that falls into the category of gallant failure. But I thought Aberdeen played really well, showed great tenacity throughout the 120 minutes. None of the players left anything out in the pitch, but ultimately it all came down to that moment of madness from Anthony Stewart. What was going through his head, I really don't know, but um, he could have no complaints, as indeed I have no complaints about the red card. When you saw the challenge coming in from the side-on angle, he went in like a ton of bricks and absolutely wiped out Sakala, had no chance of winning the ball. And you just thought, that's got to be red. And sure enough, Nick Walsh had the red card out of his pocket almost as quick as Willie Collum can get a red card out. But having said that, I thought Rangers could have been reduced to 10 as well. I'm not so much talking about the Ryan Kent incident because I don't think there's a clear enough view of that to know just exactly what he hit Liam Scales with. But, you know, the fact that Jim Goodwin said afterwards, I saw the incident and I'm not making anything of it. But the Borna Barisic challenge on Matty Kennedy, when you see that again in slow motion, both feet off the ground, hits him high, scissors Matty Kennedy, could have done him a serious injury. And how that is deemed only a yellow only Nick Walsh can know. But there were good things from Aberdeen. Great heart, as I say. Great spirit amongst the squad. And some very good individual performances. I thought Hayden Coulson and Liam Scales, probably their best games in red shirts. Nice to see Boyan Miofsky get back in the score sheet once again. But ultimately, as I say, a gallant failure. Hmm. I thought, I was there with uh, with my boy, I thought um, a far better performance of the day than probably we turned out against Rangers, certainly this season, Dave, if not quite in, in quite some time. Yeah, and I think the reaction of the fans says it all. You know, you, you can accept a defeat in the manner we were beaten on, uh, on Sunday, but they won't accept defeats in the manner that we've had in other games this season. So it's certainly a step in the right direction. I, I agree with Andrew, I thought it was very good individual performances. Ironically, both Rangers' goals had an Aberdeen connection about them, which, uh, <laughs> you know, just rubbed it in completely. But uh, yeah. no, I, we were, you know, and I, again, just endorse, I mean, even in my reddest of tinted glasses mode, there's no way you can defend Anthony Stewart for that, what was just a complete rush of blood to the head. And, uh, you know, it did. Who knows? We we still might not not won the game, but we certainly would have had a, a far better chance with eleven against eleven mm. than it turned out. So, uh, but it, the important thing is no time to dwell on it. We've got a big game at Tynecastle tomorrow night, and that's got to be the main focus. Now, 
And then I know we'll talk about it later, the, the even probably bigger from the management point of view game against Darville on uh, on Monday, which uh, will be a typical cup tie. And uh, I'm sure we'll have plenty to speak about next week on that one. Yes. Um, let's just look at this one, first of all. Um, I, I thought we looked organised in defence for the most part. But yet again, I, we're coming back to Anthony Stewart as the fall guy, as you said. There was never any doubt the ref was sending him off. I could perhaps understand slightly better if the Rangers player was closing in on goal, if Sakala was actually cutting in, but he was out in the wing. What earth was Anthony thinking, Andrew? Just a rush of blood to the head? I can't find any way of condoning what he did. Um, and as you say, totally uh, out of the blue, because I thought actually Anthony Stewart had defended really well during the game. Yeah, He'd won his headers. He, he wasn't getting caught out of position. Somebody said he, he was maybe slightly out of position when Morales played the ball to Ryan Jack for the, that fortuitous equaliser that I'm quite sure Kellarus would have saved, but for the big deflection off Liam yeah. Scales. But quite what he was thinking about and, and why he need felt he needed to go into that challenge. There. It just, yeah, it, it, out there, as you say, he's going nowhere. And it, it's, it's one of those that only he would be able to tell you. And probably even now looking back on it, he's probably thinking, why on earth did I do that? And he won't be able to come up with any sort of rational explanation for it. But ultimately it cost the team. And not only did it cost the team in terms of going a man down, but then it meant that Ross McCrory had to be shuttled into centre-back, Matty Kennedy had to go and play at right-back, and Matty was, you know, beaten quite easily, I thought, by Scott Wright for what turned out to be the winning goal. So uh, a real double whammy, but all credit to Aberdeen because I thought that they hung in there and, you know, the forced three saves out of Alan McGregor in extra time despite being down to 10 men, mm. they never threw the hat in at all, and or the towel in, rather. And to be fair to them, I think the supporters realised how much everybody had given on what was an absolute disgrace of a pitch. We'll maybe talk about that later on, but um, that was the very definition of a strength-sapping, a stamina-sapping pitch. It was horrible on Saturday, and I knew it was going to be worse on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, and that's the way it turned out. And really, the authorities have got to look at, can Hamden host two games within 24 hours? Not with that pitch, you can't. I don't, um, I, well, I, think, I mean, it presumably it gets taken up every summer. I mean, uh, you know, they get a lot of gigs... Uh, or, well, that, know, that, that, that I think, is the problem. Um, well, you know, it's, it's used for other things because... To the best of my knowledge, Queen's Park have only played in that pitch twice this season. So it should have been in pristine condition. But Ange Postacoglu said after walking over the pitch before their game against Kilmarnock, before the game, he mm. said, I wasn't impressed by that pitch. You know, it seemed a bit devoid of grass. It wasn't holding up well. And I know there'll be the old argument oh, you've got Celtic and Rangers in the semi-finals, you've got to play in the biggest stadium available. But there's been far better semi-finals played away from Hamden. By all means, play the finals there, but try and find an alternative venue. Could you have played the the Celtic one at Ibrox, the Rangers one at Parkhead? Probably neither club would have been too happy about that. But it's just one of those things. We don't have stadiums in Scotland big enough, bar Murrayfield. Mm. And 
you know, there's a lot of complaints about Murrayfield from football fans because of the distance behind the goals in particular to the playing surface. But Hamden, the pitch there was just diabolical. Yeah, I tell you what it looked like if if you were standing where we were and you saw <laughs> you saw the ball bobble along the pitch. You know when you you're in karaoke and and you see the bouncing ball following the words. That's how the ball was bobbling along the pitch, just sort of looping from from uh, from sort of bit of turf to bit of turf. It was literally bouncing up and down. I heard an awful lot of fans saying that's the sort of blueprint for how we want to play against Rangers and Celtic. Do that every time. I want to think that's how we go about our business, but I. <sighs> I think that was set out very much to win that cup semi-final, don't you, Dave? I mean, in other words, I'm not sure I get used to that approach necessarily. Can I just say that anytime I'm forced to do karaoke, I'm probably not <laughs> able to <laughs> bouncing ball. <laughs> the only thing I'm actually up there. Anyway, I think it's going to be horses for courses, you know, opposition, situation, etc. It was for the game on Sunday, it was the, the tactics were pretty much spot on, I thought. Um and each game will be taken in isolation by, by Jim and his, his team and uh, tactics accordingly. But, you know, going back to what we, we were saying last week, um, you know, you want, in an occasion like that, you want to get the fans right behind you from the word go. So, you 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 know, you can't just sit back and let the, the opposition come at you. Um, and Kamarik did exactly the same on, on the Saturday as, as we did on the Sunday. So, um, I think it will be horses for courses, um, you know, and and again we'll probably. So I would it'd be nice if it was a similar approach tomorrow night mm. uh, at Tyne Castle. But you've also got to think, you know, what, what did Sunday take out? Did well, the guys haven't too long to recover, yeah. you know. Yeah. Whereas the Hearts have had that wee bit of extra time, so that will be, you know, into Jim's way of uh, thinking as well. I'm quite sure. Yeah, um, that's a, a case in point, Andrew. Um, we've got to pick ourselves up, go again uh, tomorrow night against Hearts. It looked like there were a few injuries out there on Sunday. Keller Roos was struggling with a thigh complaint, but Joe Lewis could step in there yeah. and do every bit as good a job. <laughs> Maybe more worrying, Duke up Duke. front looked to have a, a calf problem. Yeah, Johnny. Um, uh, Johnny Hayes um, looked as though he... he all intents and purposes was out of the game. Then two seconds later, you see him bombing up. He's a weeble, wing. isn't he? He just can't uh, yeah, knock he him is. down. He's just exactly. a weeble. He keeps getting up. It, it does indeed. But as Dave said, you know, Hearts have had two extra days, plus they didn't have to play 120 minutes on that glue pot of a pitch. So it's going to be mighty difficult um, mm. down at Tynecastle. You know, I, I think there were, as I say, there were enough positive signs there that, you know, when they dust themselves down and look back, they'll think, yeah, we're so disappointed at going out of the cup. But look, look at how well we played. You know, we can do that. Hearts aren't as good a side as Rangers are. Um, so come on, let's have a go. Um, I think a point at Tynecastle would be a great result, but I'm sure there's there's enough spirit and determination within that squad that regardless of who plays, they'll go out there and they'll put in a shift. Does Anthony Stewart miss this one automatically? I mean, I know it's a different a different competition, but does he? Uh, I've seen this before. Does he miss this automatically tomorrow? Yes. Yeah. Yes, um, because it was a, a straight red for yeah. a dangerous challenge. Yeah, uh, th- this is the part that's missing, though, isn't it, Dave? I mean, the ability to go to the likes of Hearts or any away day and come back with all three points. I mean, Hearts is going to be a big ask on Wednesday. Then you got Hibs the following week uh, with the returning Kevin Nisbet seemingly 
rejuvenating their form and aspirations. If Jim Goodwin could build on this performance by getting results away from home, and I would take four points from those two games as an acceptable return, and go on another cup run that got us, say, back to Hamden, I think we'd look back on this season as a vast improvement and a few steps in the right direction, wouldn't we? First and foremost, though, we've got the, the problem again of a, a lack of strength and depth in the middle of the, the defence for tomorrow night because it means Ross Crory will no doubt go forward, which leaves right back to, to be filled. So there'll be changes there. And, you know, again, you know, with uh, Jack Milne having now done what we catted about, should maybe have been done before, gone out on loan, there's there's nobody else to, to, to come in. So that, that, must be a very much a, a target for this rest of this window, whoever's left left of it. But uh, to be honest, yeah, four points away on the road, given our recent <laughs> yeah. four on the road. Four yeah. points, you you probably it. settle for two, would you? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I, I would I, like Andrew to set up a, a point tomorrow night, and that would set us up reasonably confident frame of mind for the potentially banana, banana skin trip to, to Darville. Mm. I finally saw that that Mioski chalked off goal yesterday when I went searching for it. Up until that point, I didn't stumble across it anywhere. On on balance, probably off, but he lashed it into the net, Andrew, and took his his actual goal that stood really well. We said last week we thought it would only take one and he'd find his feet again. That seems to be the case. Encouraging from his point of view, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, I, I thought it was a phenomenal finish, the, the offside goal. Um, uh, uh, to beat McGregor from that angle was tremendous. Oh, well, I thought exactly. he'd gone into the side netting from where we were standing. Yeah, and, yeah. and then I heard um, the cheering. I'm like, what? <laughs> uh-huh. um, and to be fair, you know, Alan McGregor, I don't think he, he'd seen the offside flag. He was just shocked by A, the angle of the shot and the ferocity of the shot. He just didn't, wasn't able to He just to stopped. Move. He just he did, yeah. He did, yeah. Um, and then the actual goal, I doubt if Miofsky would have scored that had he not scored the offside goal. Because mm. it was, as you say, it was almost, hey, I can still do this. Mm. And then uh, fair play to Matty Kennedy, brilliant um, football awareness. Far better than yeah, Exactly. Who just stopped and thought, oh, that's offside. Oh, no, here's Kennedy coming, motoring up and mm. outside. And it was all. It wasn't quite in the same vein as the Rashford's Fernandez was it offside? Was it onside goal in Manchester Derby the day before? It clearly was a case that Miofsky made no effort to play the ball, so wasn't interfering with play. Kennedy gets onto it. A second phase starts when Kennedy gets onto the ball, and then good play from Miofsky, and again not very clever defending from Ben Davis, who I think thought. No, that's offside, so I don't have to bother going across and trying to make any challenge in Miofsky, but it was a fine finish. Mm. And you just hope that that is going to kickstart um, Boyan once again into the, the second part of the, the campaign uh, with a, another 10, 12 goals or whatever. Mm. And that would give him 25 for the season, which would be a fantastic return. I think you could you could almost see the, the weight lifted off his shoulders when he lashed that offside goal in because um, it was the precursor for a very good goal that did count. Are we sure it's it's Boyan? Because uh, the, the announcer on, on Sunday was calling him Bojan. 
which uh, <laughs> which I enjoyed. Uh, well, I think uh, Jim Goodwin calls him Bojan Mayovsky. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I believe he's uh, the correct pronunciation is Bojan Mayovsky. But hey, well, there you go. I yeah, think he'll answer to anything. He's exactly. Uh, how you go and score? Yeah. Hearts, hearts next, Dave. Um, plenty of excuses why we could go down there and and sort of capitulate. But I'm not interested in any of those. What's the game plan for for coming back from Tancastle with a win? I mean, do you, do you lock Hearts in the dressing room at halftime, or will we need the full ninety for that to be certainty? The game plan for for tomorrow night will be dependent on what the guys have uh, rec- re- recovered like from the, from Sunday, and it's very difficult to second guess. I, I would expect us. We don't want to just go and defend at Tancastle for ninety minutes. We want to show, and you know, Miofsky having his confidence back again is a big plus of Duke manages to make it even better but you know without being gung-ho I think we we just have a, a real go and as Andrew mentioned earlier you know hearts are not as good a side as, as Rangers so there's absolutely no reason for us to be fearful of going mm. down there. Cautiously optimistic was that what Craig Brown used to call it? Cautiously optimistic Beat them in corners <laughs> <laughs> All joking aside Andrew I mean Dave's ruled out the Celtic playbook uh, as in you know just stand there and, and try and stop them from scoring do you think Jim will revert to, to trying to keep things tight and then sort of hope to nick something on the break have a go how much of it will depend on, on who's fit as well as Dave says Oh, it depends massively on, on what the starting 11 is going to be but uh, there are attacking options Vinny Bazawin could come in uh, if you Duke thought he might come it. in on Sunday wouldn't you but then he uh, seems to po- possibly that type of pitch didn't suit him you know, he's a top-of-the-ground player. Maybe that's what Jim was thinking. I think um, he scratched his car, if I'm honest. Well, it kind of looks a wee bit that way, doesn't <laughs> it? And by the looks of things, Ramirez is away back to the States, so you yeah. can rule him out. Young Patrick um, Mislevich, he may come into the equation. Graham Shinney, of course, could drop back and play as a centre-back if you didn't want to have to put uh, Ross McCrory into centre-back. There are a few permutations there, but um, in terms of tactics, I think, you know, Hearts quite like playing on the break as well. So it it could end up being a bit of a midfield battle. And when you've got the likes of Andy Halliday and Robert Snodgrass in there and Graham Shinney and Ilber Ramadani on the other side, that's possibly where the match is going to be won and lost. So Mm. it's going to be an interesting one, certainly. And they... It's going to take a big, big performance from Aberdeen to get something from Tynecastle because hearts at home are verging on the invincible. But, you know, they're, as I said earlier, they don't present the same challenge that Rangers do or Celtic do. The Dons know that they cannot lose that game and go nine points behind third place. We're in fifth place as it is, so we've, we've got Livingston in our sights first and foremost and um, before Hearts to climb back into a European spot. Uh, so maybe, you know, that's that's what we should be concentrating on. But because it's it's Hearts tomorrow, as I said earlier, I think a share of the spoils would be a very acceptable outcome for Aberdeen. Okay. Yeah, as you say, if Hearts do win, that would put them nine points clear of us on the table. Would we kiss goodbye to any aspirations of, of finishing third then, or do you think we've already done that, Dave? No, I don't think we've done that. I, I mean, things can change fairly quickly in Scottish football. still very tight. I mean, getting into Europe is obviously the main, main objective, as well as winning a, a cup along the way, which would is now limited to just the one, obviously. But uh, no, I don't think um, until it's as... 
ex-managers used to say until it's mathematically impossible to get <laughs> to third. I don't think we'll give up the, the ghost in terms of trying to overtake Hearts because, you know, a lot can change. There's still a hell of a lot of football to be played and uh, there's uh, it's such a tight lead, to be honest. I feel like, you know, if we could just have a guest from Roy Aiken every now and again coming in to say, well, there's so many points to play for, that would be <laughs> a recurring guest. That would be a great feature. OK, let's do a, a, a double score predictor. First of all, Hearts versus Aberdeen on Wednesday evening, Andrew. I'll go for 1-1. One, one. And Dave, I bet you were going to go for 1-1 one, one as well, were you? Hearts versus I'm Aberdeen. Always, I, still, I still am, <laughs> to be honest. I, I think it's got 1-1 one, one written all over it. Right, which means well, there's no chance of it being one on. Yeah. Well, I'll say, I'll just go for my standard 2-0 then for the Dons. <laughs> now, on to Darville and the Scottish Cup the following Monday evening, a potential banana skin, especially with it being on TV. You look at the results, actually, they, they score a lot of goals and they, they seem to thrash most opposition at their level. But even in the Cup this year, they stuck uh, away to Montrose 5-2 was the scoreline there, away from home, Dave. I mean, we can't assume anything. They're certainly not mugs, but I would imagine you expect us to get the job done relatively comfortably, wouldn't you? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go for 3-0 because I think we, sh- we should be comfortable. You know, the difference in the two sides, you know, bearing in mind they all have the pitch advantage. It's their, their home ground. But, uh, you know, th- that said, if we have another moment like Anthony Stewart had on Sunday, that can all, all change, so but I'll, I'll stick with my three 0 and we, we will not repeat the rush of blood to the head or anywhere else in the body. And your score predictor for that one, Andrew Darvel versus Aberdeen. I think it'll be a fairly comfortable victory for Aberdeen. I'll go one better and say four 0 to the Dons. A couple of goals either half. Okay, scorers. <laughs> um, Paul Vara. Paul Vara. <laughs> okay. Double for Ryan Duncan. Uh, okay, well, there you go. That's it. So, two and two for Duncan and Miofsky. Let's move on to under 18s next, Andrew. Now, a big week for them as they continue to battle on a, a number of fronts. They played in Aberdeenshire Shield midweek at Bucky Thistle. And then uh, they were again back on league duty at Cormac Park on Saturday against St. Mirren. Well, that was how it was supposed to go. Let's take them in chronological order. We said ahead of the uh, the Bucky Thistle game, they hadn't lost a league match at home in three years, Bucky Jags. This was always going to be a tough encounter, I'd suggest. In the end, the Young Dons went down 3-2. Based on the scoreline alone, it sounds like they gave a good account of themselves, Andrew, did they? Sounds like it. They were 2-1 up at half-time. Liam Harvey and Adam Emsley got the goals. Cracking goal from young Adam Emsley. Uh, the surprise about the game was that Aberdeen scored two and Bavage didn't get any of them. I know. It was a very, very young side. The only sort of overager that was in the squad at all was Kevin Hanrati and sadly... Kevin blotted his copybook by picking up a second yellow card with six minutes to go. So he didn't see out the full 90 minutes. But Bucky, a very, very difficult side to play against. Um, scored an absolute worldie their first goal. I think it was Andy McCaskill. And then they got two in quick succession around about the hour mark. And the Dons just didn't quite have enough in the tank to be able to get themselves back into it. But uh, no disgrace at all. And an extremely cold, windy night up in Bucky on a pitch that's always difficult to play on, regardless of the weather. But um, for the young boys, again, it'll have been really good experience because Bucky are right up there challenging at the top of the Highland League. And that is a couple of steps above what they're used to playing against at their own level at under-18s. Yeah, and uh, then what was supposed to be a weekend turnaround for the boys in a home league match against St Mirren at Cormac Park on Saturday. That's what it was supposed to be, as I say, but it got postponed. How come? 
I think the problem was that um, because it was on a Saturday, because there was a full Highland League programme and a full junior programme, there was a difficulty in getting a referee for the game. So really? uh, it was postponed. Uh, that's the story that I got from Pataudry was that there was a difficulty getting a ref. And I did think, you know, when I was hunting around the SFA website trying to find out who the referee was that had been appointed for the game, my fear was that it might have been a very young, inexperienced referee, possibly without any assistance. Um, now, I've seen in the past referees going solo for underage games, and unless you've got an experienced official, that's not fair on either the official or on the teams that are playing. But I think because they weren't able to get a referee appointed, which is maybe symptomatic of the the... The, the problems nowadays, so many young referees get so much dog's abuse from the sidelines that they don't really go much further than the embryonic stages of their careers. Mm. And so there's a lack of, of officials at times. That, I'm told, was the reason why the game was called off on Saturday. Okay. But um, they are going to be back in, in action and they've got a couple of games this coming week. On Friday, they travel down to Lennoxtown to play Celtics under-18s. And then on Sunday, they've got a friendly against Montrose out at Cormac Park. So Barry Robson's complaints about having too many games in too many days kind of loses a wee bit of its um, luster because he's agreed to take on a friendly two days after a long <laughs> trip down to Lennoxtown. But um, he, I think he's wanting to get and games into the legs of the boys yeah. because they've, they've gone a long time without any serious action and because there's a, a youth cup tie coming up on the 27th you'll want to have them up to speed certainly ahead of that one Okay, uh, to Aberdeen women still going through that transitional period with no permanent management team in place, the recruitment process continues but actually the Dons posting some of their more positive results in this interim spell after a 2-0 Scottish Cup victory over Hutchison Vale at Balmoral last time out. Aberdeen were at home again on Sunday at the same time as their male counterparts took to the field at Hamden. The Dons women welcomed Hamilton Ackies. Now that one finished 2-0 for Aberdeen and they were delighted to get back to winning ways and amongst the goals, definite signs of improvement, Dave. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and out of the, the relegation um, zone for the first time this season. But yeah, you know, they're more like where they, they should be, which is probably comfortable, but not, uh, you know, you look at the, the teams with the budgets that we don't have in the in the women's team and, they, you know, they're where, where they should be. But, you know, it was a good win against Hamilton. We're at home again this weekend and uh, that's hopefully another chance to, although I think it'll be a, a bit tougher this Sunday, but... Uh, Hopefully a step in the right direction. And again, we keep seeing it. All about confidence and the confidence will be reasonably high at the moment. Yeah, they play Hearts next Sunday again at Balmoral, as you say. And here's a stat, Dave. The Dons haven't lost this year. Um, do, you, do you see them managing to keep that going? The whole year? Um, perhaps <laughs> not. Um, but uh, yeah, there's there's a chance. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a share of the spoils mm. on Sunday. But uh, certainly there, there's a chance to keep you unbeaten record going, if not just uh, getting another win. But, you know, you wouldn't put a pass to Aberdeen with it, with that confidence boost and trip up north for the, the Harps girls then. Who knows what might happen? And I think they'll have a better crowd this weekend than they did for the Hamilton game because obviously it was on the people, same Yeah, there'll be people there, yeah. 
Yeah, um, Cove Rangers next to Paul Hartley had his work cut out. Just looking at the last two games alone, scored one, conceded 12 points, none. But I think it really puts it into perspective then to come back from that and secure a 2-2 draw with Wraith. It's a pretty big steadying of the ship within seven days, isn't it, Dave? Yeah, it certainly is. And I think uh, the fact it was Morgan Neal getting the equaliser, you know, time added on, says it all because, you know, he, Morgan thought he was an Aloha athletic player for the second half of the season because it had all been agreed to go on loan uh, from Cove. Paul said, stop that. He wanted them. And he, you know, he got his reward from, from Morgan with the, the late leveller. But yeah, that was a, it was a big turnaround because Wraith are not a bad side and particularly with the teams below picking up something as well. You know, it was important that we, we try and steer clear in that eighth position. And obviously, Trying, well, it's, I think it's Inverness and Wraith, teams above us now. Yeah. So, but they're a few points above. But again, couple of wins, put a couple of wins back to back, and then you go right up that league very quickly. Uh, next week, Cove back at home this time in the Scottish Cup against Air United. The two hardly strangers to each other at this point, Dave, uh, being in the same division. Air having the far better season, but in a one-off cup tie at home, real chance to boost the confidence and reach the next stages. At home, I think is the. The person to phrase there because uh, being at home, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if Cove go through in that one, but it's almost a free hit because staying in the championship is very much primarily the, the target for the season. And, uh, you know, the cup's a nice wee bonus. And if we, if we get through to the next round, absolutely brilliant. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised at whatever the outcome is in that one because Air are not a bad side. Lee Bullen's got them playing well and they've got some great individual players as well. So it'll be a tough game, but not one that uh, Cove will be uh, approaching with any trepidation whatsoever. Get ahead next, concentrating on the two-team tussle between now and the end of the season. Objective one, avoid automatic relegation by getting above Clyde in the league. Objective two, retain the League One status by winning the subsequent playoff. Sounds easy when you put it like that, doesn't it? Uh, last week, no ground gain, but none lost as Clyde were defeated too. This time round, didn't look too hopeful either as Peter Head made the trip to take on the league leaders, Dunfermline. The final score there, Dunfermline 4 Peter Head, nil. And for Clyde, well, a trip to Falkirk ended in exactly the same scoreline. So again, uh, nothing lost in terms of ground in the table, but the game is running out thick and fast, Andrew. They are. And to be honest, I didn't really expect Peter Head to get anything uh, down at Dunfermline. Yes, they managed to salvage a draw uh, with two really late goals last time they visited. But um, Dunfermline have got themselves into a winning groove. They don't concede very much, if anything. And I had a message from Pat Wilson, ex-Aberdeen player, who's a big um, a Dunfermline fan. And he, he said that, you know, Peter Head weren't as bad as the scoreline suggested. And uh, I said, how did Tom Ritchie play? And he says, well, look, he had no chance with any of the goals. There was a couple of worldies in there. Um, he said he, he looked a good player. Some of his kicking was a little bit suspect, but he said it was a horrible day of wind and rain, the ball swirling around all over the place. But he, he thought that Peter Head had enough about them to, to manage to get out of the trouble that they're in. And... To be honest, it, it came as a little bit of a relief when I looked at the scoreline at um, the Falkirk Stadium to see that, as you say, nothing changed there. Mm. Clyde went down 4-0. So the, the new manager sort of mini bounce that they got when Jim Duffy went in there seems to have dissipated a little bit. But now it's a massive, massive game and possibly the biggest game in Peter Head's history this coming Saturday up at Balmoor because... Um, 
that's when the two clubs come head to head and, you know, something's got to give there. Either Clyde go five points clear of Peterhead or Peterhead get ahead of themselves. They've got to try and make home advantage count. And, yeah. you know, it's it's one of those days where, you know, if you've got anything in your heart that sort of roots for Peterhead, get yourself along to the Balmore Stadium. They want everybody there. It's going to be a united effort. The 11 out in the pitch, plus however many hundred there are in the ground, all pulling in the same direction to try and get that victory. Because psychologically, it would be massive, I'm quite sure for them, if on Sunday morning they can open up the paper and look at the league table and see ninth Peterhead, 10th Clyde, rather than the other way around. Because as you rightly said, it's a two-team league mm. down at the bottom of that. Mm. It is. League one now. It um, is. Because they're, they're so far adrift of, of the teams above them that it is just between the two of them. It's a straight shootout to see who can manage to get enough points to get into ninth place and relegate the other. So Yeah. Two, two I, I think weekends. I think Kelty or something like uh, 20 points ahead uh, and they're the next oh, it's, it's a it's a huge gap. Yeah. Massive gap. It's 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 one that's, you know, no matter you know how big an optimist you are you just cannot create a scenario to say they're never that catching Clyde up their head are no. going to catch them no they're, they're they're never catching um i mean that's why we've been talking about the two team league for for however long now it's been a few weeks the big one is always going to be this coming weekend uh, as most teams take the field to compete in the scottish cup as you say peter head are at balmore for their rescheduled fixture against uh, that team they are trying to leapfrog clyde it's their season in 90 minutes now onto the uh, the highland league now where Brechin entered the weekend in top spot unbeaten in the campaign so far this season. Bucky Thistle second, Fraserburgh third as we went into this next round of fixtures, which ended uh, like this. Brechin City versus Fraserburgh was postponed. Clacton Cutton one, Wick Academy three. Inverurie Locos four, Devonvale nil. Banks of D two, Tariff United nil. For Martin United two, Huntley nil. Forest Mechanics nil, Broader Rangers eight. Nairn County 1, Bucky Thistle 3, and Strath Bay Thistle 1, Lossiemouth 3. And those results left the table like this. Bucky moved top on 52 points, uh, with Brecon missing their match through postponement. Uh, Brecon remain on 50, but with two games in hand over Bucky, and Brora move up to third in the juniors, Dave. Well, John, there was half a dozen games postponed because of the weather, including the Premier League clash between Hermes and East End. Hermes currently second. Cooter took full advantage, beating Ellen 6-1 at Crumby Park with doubles from Ryan Smart, Cammy Fraser and Ross Clark, which means they go five points clear and now have a better goal difference than Hermes. The other results, Bankery, St. Ternan nil, Maud nil. Bridget on Thistle 1, Nairn St. Ninian 1, Dice 2, Dufftown 0, Stonehaven 2, Montrose-Rosley 1 in the Championship. On Friday night, Banks DGFC 0, Sunnybank 4, Sunnybank are stay top. Burkhead Thistle 1 alongside 7, Glentanner 0, Fraserburgh United 1. That means that Fraserburgh United are now back level on points with Sunnybank who have a better goal difference and New Elgin won Forest Thistle 4 this weekend it's a full Premier League and Championship card scheduled weather permitting weather permitting is always that caveat isn't it now just because I think it's such a significant win do you want to talk about Andy Murray in the Australian Open this morning I watched it uh, from 6 o'clock onwards till the bitter end and uh, of course Andy won the first two uh, sets three and three and was looking comfortable. 
But as always with Andy, it's never a straightforward match. And Veratini, who's a, a excellent player, he's, he was serving out of this world. He came back two to thirds, six four, took the uh, fourth in the tie break, and you thought, well, can Andy at thirty five with his metal hip, you know, can he survive? He'd only once been beaten from two sets up, and that was nineteen years ago. So, um, and the other. Do you think it is that he's always won the rest of them from two sets up? But uh, he played a brilliant final set and it went to the championship tiebreak, which first to 10 points. And he got off straight away by breaking Berrettini in the first point. Then went a double breakout. In fact, it was three breaks up at one point, raced into the lead. And it was the first time Andy had played a 10-point tie, tiebreak in a, a competitive match. Uh, and eventually conclude 10-7 in, in that to take the match. But absolutely brilliant dis display. And the, the good thing is he was still moving reasonably well in that fifth set. No pain. When he went up to the on-court interview, he was limping a wee bit when he went up from the from the side. So obviously, he'll be looking, he'll be spent right now, he'll be in recovery because he's got to... Next match in a couple of days' time against Fognini of Italy or Kokonakis of Australia. Um, but uh, it certainly was was brilliant. And, you know, those who said, why doesn't Andy just retire? I think we saw today the main reason, you know, he's a fighter, he's a, a world-class athlete and thoroughly delighted for him, as I'm sure most of Scotland, if not all of Scotland are. Yeah, I mean, he said um, he said just going into the the tournament that he feels better, he's moving better than he has in years. I mean, it's the most positive he's said for a long time. Yeah, I mean, how 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 well do you see that translating to to on court performances? I think this will be a huge year for him. But he's got off to the perfect start. He's won his first five setter since the metal hip was inserted. So that's a, another monkey off his back. He's beaten one of the, the best players in the world. He's although he's only seed thirteen this year, he was semi finalist last year as a former Wimbledon finalist. You know, Berrettini is he won Queens as well, Berrettini, and his serving was something like he, he hit his first double fault of the match after four hours forty minutes. <laughs> so wow. that shows how how much on form his serve was. But Andy just as Andy does, just kept plugging away, never giving up. And they got his rewards. Okay, you cast not... your mind back to that tearful interview four years ago. Yeah, when when he thought that was it. You, you know, know. It, it, it takes incredible mental strength, never mind physical strength, to to still be going and going. And he's an an absolute inspiration to everyone. Well, um, never give up. Yeah, I mean, I I was saying to someone today, you know, I mean, you look at you look at what he's done in his career, winning Wimbledon, winning the Olympics. I think possibly when when it's all done and dusted, and he looks back and he thinks about his biggest achievement, he may well look back at it and say, well, coming back from the hip surgery was the was the the toughest thing and the biggest the biggest achievement in my career. I, I don't think that's necessarily um, uh, something that he wouldn't say, is it, Dave? No, I don't think so because. Uh, Prior to Andy, one of the Bryan brothers, uh, yeah. Bob, had the, the same operation and he came back. But doubles and singles are a total different ball game, And the the stamina and the athleticism and the character required for, for singles at that level is far outweighs that, that in, the, in the doubles game. So I think it is a huge, because so many people wrote him off. 
when he went yeah. to get that operation, he was just, well, that's it. You know, he might as well retire. Well, he's still relatively much at the top. But, uh, you know, he's, he proved today. I mean, that, that could go, it could go one of two ways. It could be a springboard for a deep run into the, the tournament. Yep. Remember, he's been a five times finalist at the Oz Open. So he's, uh, it's a tournament that he loves playing and okay, he could get knocked out in the next round because they're, they're all difficult over five sets. But, you know, hopefully it'll prove to be the springboard for the, the twilight age of, of uh, Andy and uh, twilight in his career, but a, a successful one because I'd love to see him win another title. Oh, wouldn't that be amazing? Um, my favourite tweet, incidentally, following the match, a huge congratulations to our hero, Andy Murray, on an outstanding win. Grit, determination, and amazing tennis. He's such an inspiration to us all. Dumblame Primary School. Love it. Okay, uh, that is pretty much it for episode 65 of Petodri PS. We aim to publish every week on a Tuesday if we can. I was looking back to the Don's previous fixtures and ahead to the next. Please remember to follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you could rate and review us, tell us what you think of the show as well. We'd be very grateful. Thanks for checking out Petodri PS. We'll see you next time.